everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. And we want to know how you're joining. As a reminder, share this episode, a picture of your CG discussing, a screenshot of the website. However you've joined the journey, share it to social media, tag Watermark Church for a chance to win the spring giveaway. You can literally enter every single day for a chance to win the opportunity to come hang with us in the studio, sit in on a recording session, and grab lunch with the team. Because We want to know who's on the journey and get to know y'all. We want to see what you're doing and grab a few of you to come in and hang with us. We'll put more info in the episode description. But today, we are in Genesis 49. And the question is, what does it look like for us to believe God is at work and has a plan when it's hard for us to tell that He is? Or how do we reconcile God's sovereignty and our responsibility? Our, our responsibility to plan and make make good, intentional, God-honoring choices. I think about when high school students apply for college. They're encouraged to apply at additional, quote-unquote, safety schools. They've got their, their plan A or their dream school, which is where they'd prefer to go to school. But they're also encouraged to apply to other universities, safe options, colleges they can more easily be accepted into, just in case they aren't accepted into their first-choice university. Now, the safety school thing, it isn't a bad practice. In fact, it's probably pretty wise if you're a student looking to continue your education. But if our whole lives, if we apply the safety school principle in other areas of our lives, we could be acting out of wisdom or we could be failing to trust God. There's a tension here. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So how do you think about plans or planning? And more importantly, how do you understand God's plans? Think about the safety school application process. You've got your first choice, then plan A, B, C, etc. And sometimes, similarly, when we think about the Bible— We think about Adam and Eve as God's plan A, his first choice for humanity, that we would live in right relation with him in the garden. Then when sin enters the picture, Abraham seems to become plan B, the law, plan C, and Jesus in the New Testament, we could perceive as the last resort sort of plan. However, this is not the case. In Genesis 3.15, God said a child, that's Jesus, would come, some translations say a seed, would come from the woman and crush the head of the serpent, triumphing over the evil one. And now here in Genesis 49, as Israel is speaking blessing over his sons, we see another indication that the victorious child is coming. A clear, I mean, crystal clear reminder that Jesus was not the last resort backup plan. When it comes to rescuing humanity from sin, he has always, always been God's plan A. Genesis 49.10 in the NLT reads, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. And this word of prophetic blessing anticipates the coming of a victorious ruler who will triumph, who will rule over all the nations. And this ruler, he'll come from the line of Judah. So ever heard Jesus described as the lion of Judah? 
Revelation 5.5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Which makes so much sense. Jesus is one of Judah's descendants. Shocking, given Judah's wretched choices along the way. But nevertheless, the Old Testament shows God at work orchestrating his grand rescue plan for humanity through his son, even in Genesis. So we look at Matthew 1, which begins with this. I'll read it for us. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. We keep reading verse 6, and Jesse the father of David the king. And then you jump down to verse 16. The family tree continues. You can flip there in your Bibles, look at the whole list. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Verse 17, Matthew 1. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. God had been at work ever since the beginning. And in my own life, I quickly overlook God's work. It's easy for me to quote-unquote skip the Old Testament, flip to the New Testament. It's easy for me to choose autopilot, planning my steps instead of looking to God for direction and guidance, looking back to reflect on how he's been at work. I mean, how quick am I to doubt that God is at work or overlook the fact that he is and always has been? You see, We face this tension. There's a tension between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. God is in control. He has a plan, but we have a responsibility to respond to him. And a good check is to ask ourselves, what is motivating the us part? What is motivating our planning? What's motivating my planning? A healthy trust in God's plan and a healthy response to God's plan means, or God's plans for my life means surrendering my desires, my plans to him, choosing to make plans with him and make plans in response to who he is and what he's done. If my plans, quote unquote, my plans, which I can say laughingly, I'm not God. If my plans aren't being run through the filter of how does this relate to what God has done for me, I've probably forgotten the gospel. And to some degree, that could seem dramatic, Or like I'm overextending something. So overextending, honestly, the gospel. Like if I'm planning to go to the store, do I need to ask how a trip to the grocery store relates to the gospel? Or if I'm planning a family road trip, do I need to ask how a vacation relates to the gospel? Or if I'm doing laundry, planning to do chores, do I need to ask how laundry could be a response to the gospel? And as I think about these questions, like I'm convicted. Because there's a part of me that wants to just say, no, that's weird, Jesus freak. You don't need to overcomplicate the simple things of life. Sometimes you just have to do normal life, laundry, chores, get in the car, run an errand. It's not that deep. But I think we're getting it wrong, myself included, because if I ran my plans to go to the store through a gospel perspective, if I saw them through that lens, I bet... I bet I would be more inclined to share the gospel while I'm out running errands. If I had a lot time to intentionally live on mission, like when's the last time I shared, I even 
tried to have a a spiritual conversation at the grocery store. The same thing goes for family vacations. What would it look like if I allotted time to stop and help anyone I see on the side of the road having car trouble? What if I planned? What if your family planned on being a good Samaritan and prayed expectantly for God to honor your willingness and use you to make an impact for the kingdom while you're on your road trip? That's countercultural to the world for sure, but honestly, I think that mindset, like I'm going to plan to stop and help a stranger I see on the side of the road on a family road trip, might be pretty countercultural among Christians. Do we proactively think about engaging missionally when we're off? After all, it is vacation. But I'm convicted because I don't even know if we do that when we're quote-unquote on. How tragic is that? Or what about our plans to do laundry? If I ran my plans to do laundry through a gospel filter, I think I'd pray for those who will wear the clothes if they're not my own or if they are my own. Maybe I'd pray for those I'll interact with the next time I do wear them. I've never done that before. Man plans his ways. I mean, we've got to, to be functioning humans. There's a responsibility. But the Lord directs his steps, Proverbs says. So if I believe that, and I let that belief affect my actions, I bet I'd make more of an effort to be led by the Spirit in my day-to-day planning, in my day-to-day tasks, because God is at work even when we don't realize it, and He invites us into that work. So today, I'm genuinely challenged by God's sovereignty and the freedom and responsibility He entrusts us with. That's all we've got time for today, but as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.